Welcome back to Avery After Dark. I'm your host, Avery Ross. What's new with everybody? I just watched the Elvis movie for the first time last night, and it was good. I always liked Elvis and thought he was a pretty unique character, but I also think it's important to tell those kinds of stories because I think when we see people with fame and fortune, we think, oh, their lives must be so great. And as we covered quite a bit on this podcast, that is often not the case. Money doesn't buy happiness. And when you see what's actually going on behind closed doors, it's pretty sad. So yeah, Elvis was great, but a pretty sad story. I don't know about where you all are, but where I am, it's starting to get a little bit cooler at night. There's a tinge of autumn in the air. I haven't gone so far as to get the pumpkin spice latte yet, but it's coming. It's coming. Fall to me just means tons of scary stories, and you already know I'll have you covered throughout all the spooky season here on Avery After Dark. I am so excited for today's episode. It is a story time, and it's got a bit of everything. A little mystery, a little paranormal, and a big twist. So let's get right into it. This is an Avery After Dark original. This is The Haunting of the Belladonna Inn. It was six of us girls and one long weekend in Burlington, Vermont. My friends and I had rented a small little house for the weekend and spent the entire time laughing. The group of us were all friends from New York City, where we all lived. Some old friends, some new, but it was a blast. We all had been looking forward to this winter getaway for months. And for me, it came at a much-needed time. Living in New York City, waking up every morning, the hustle got to be tiring sometimes. And my situation with my boyfriend at the time only added to the struggle. Ben and I had been dating for about a year. I was hoping it was going to move into something more, aka an engagement. But I wasn't sure if Ben was on that track with me. He had been going out a lot more with his guy friends, telling me it was good for him to blow off steam after work. But to be honest with you, it all seemed a little shady to me. I tried to ask him and probe, but he'd brush it off. Rachel, relax. Everything's fine, he'd say in his matter-of-fact tone. I just couldn't ignore the feeling that something wasn't right with us. He was becoming more distant and made me wonder, was there someone else? I had no proof, but just that sense. Women's intuition, I suppose. So it was nice to get away for a bit. A weekend out of the city was just what I needed. But Sunday came, and after days of living off mimosas and junk food, it was time to make the trip back home to New York. My friend Amber and I, one of our friends from the group, packed up our things and loaded them into my car. We hugged our friends goodbye and left our Vermont cabin in the rearview mirror. Amber was a newer friend, but a quick one. She actually worked with Ben in New York, and that's how I met her. I got to know her, and she quickly joined our group. She's fun and always looking for a good time. She also lived right down the block from me in downtown Manhattan, so we agreed to take the trip back together. We had a five and a half hour drive back to the city, and I was praying the weather would cooperate. It had been snowing on and off for the past week, but the roads looked clear from what we could tell from the radar. We got about three hours into the drive, and then it started dumping snow. Felt like a full-on blizzard. In front of the windshield was a complete whiteout. I can't even see the road ahead of us, can you? Amber asked as we squinted to see through the windshield. No, I said. Can you pull up your phone? What does the weather say? And where are we? Hmm, Catskill, New York, Amber said. 
Catskill sits along the banks of the Hudson River. The village is historic and beautiful. So beautiful, a lot of movies and TV shows are shot here. It looks like we're driving right into a bad storm. Rachel, we gotta pull off. We can't drive in this. It's already 5 p.m. It's just gonna get worse, she said. I agreed, but where? We kept driving, hoping to spot a place to stay for the night, and were relieved to see a small little hotel in the distance. Look quaint from what we could see in between the windshield wipers. The Belladonna Inn, the old sign in front read. We pulled in and parked, grabbed our purses, and tiptoed through the snow into the small lobby, snow whipping us in the face as we scurried in. We opened up, stepped inside, the big golden doors, and suddenly, we were back in the 1940s. The walls were a vibrant powder blue, with stunning crown molding. It was beautiful and historic. Some storm out there, isn't it? The older gentleman behind the front desk asked. He looked to be in his 70s, big friendly smile, hair neatly combed wearing a maroon-colored belladonna in button-up. Hi! Yeah, the storm really crept up on us, I said. We were heading back to New York City from Burlington. Thought we could make it, but looks like we need a place to stay for the night, I said, dusting the snow off my jacket. Of course, dear. Well, welcome to the Belladonna Inn. I'm Gerald. This inn's been here since 1938. Let's get you all checked in. I have a room available just down the hall with two queen beds. Would that work for you two? Sounds great. Thank you. I said, smiling, just happy to be out of the storm. There's only a few other people staying here tonight, so should be a quiet and restful stay for you, he said. We looked around at the completely empty lobby. February, middle of winter, not the most ideal time to travel, I guess, I said laughing. I'm just glad to get off the roads. It's getting bad out there. In that moment, I thought of Ben. The last time we spoke was the evening before, and I told him I'd be back in the city any minute now. He was probably wondering where I was, worried. I pulled out my phone and quickly shot him a text message as Gerald was busy getting us checked in. I typed out, Hi, weather got so bad. Snowstorm came out of nowhere. We couldn't make it any farther, so I won't be back until tomorrow. Staying at a hotel in Catskill for the night. No need to worry, though. I'm with Amber. I pushed send. I pushed my phone back into my pocket, anticipating a phone call from him at any moment. He'd want to check up on me. Here you go, my dears. Room 102 is all ready for you. Just down this hall to the right, Gerald said, passing us two keys. Oh, what about food? Are there any good restaurants anywhere? Amber asked. Yes, dear, we have one here at the hotel. It's got some delicious options, if I do say so myself. Open until nine, and there are a few others in town, but I'm not sure you'll be wanting to head back out there, Gerald said as we looked out the windows at the blustering storm. Oh no, your restaurant will work just fine. Thank you, Amber said, throwing her bag over her shoulder. We made our way down the hall and unlocked our room and found it was just as the lobby, frozen in time. Powder pink walls, detailed quilted bedding, small little TV propped on a wooden dresser. It was quaint, and you couldn't help but feel transported back in time a bit. We dropped our bags, jackets, and belongings in a mess on the floor. I popped into the restroom to change into some comfy, warm clothes while Amber slipped out in the hall to make a phone call. The thing about Amber, she always had some guy on the radar. She hadn't told me who he was. Sometimes I couldn't even keep up with her men, but she spent a lot of the weekend calling and texting this new guy, whoever he was. I heard her giggling from the hallway, and after a few minutes, she walked back in. I looked at her, putting my hands on my hips. All right, enough already. Who's the mystery man? She shrugged. Just some guy. It's not anything. She looked down and smiled, then looked back up. Should we get dinner? I'm starved. Doesn't seem like nothing. You've been texting him all weekend, I continued to press her. It's... 
It's not going to go anywhere. So, about dinner, she asked again. All right, all right, I said. Let me just grab my wallet. I pulled my phone out of my pocket and saw Ben hadn't replied back. Not a text, not a call. For a guy who's always on his phone, I knew that wasn't a good sign, and my stomach sank a bit. I shoved my phone back in my bag, and we took off for the restaurant. An hour later, we waddled our way back to our room, so full. This place did have a great restaurant, like Gerald said. Comfort food galore. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, the works. We also got some cobblers from the restaurant to go for later. Amber and I opened up the door to find my jacket neatly hung up and my suitcase propped on the table. Great food, but what's the deal with this maid? Why'd she only clean up your side? Amber asked, half laughing as she popped down on the bed. I shrugged. Guess she likes me better, I joked with her. We both laid down in bed and watched an old movie before turning in for the night, her phone buzzing every 20 minutes. Is that the mystery man? I asked, trying to sneak a peek at her phone, but she tilted the screen away. She smiled and rolled over. I checked my phone, and two hours after I sent that text message, I finally got a, sounds good, have fun, from Ben. Really? That's it? I flashed the screen to Amber and showed her Ben's response. I really don't know what's going on with him lately, I said. He's just so cold. Amber leaned over, well, maybe he's just stressed with work or something, she said. What am I going to do with this guy? Oh, well, let's get some sleep, I sighed, not wanting to think about it anymore. I hopped up, jumped in bed, and plugged my phone in. Turned off the light, flipped over, and closed my eyes. I felt like I melted into the bed and shortly after faded off into sleep. Maybe it was the long weekend, the drive, or the disappointment from Ben. Either way, I was tired. I couldn't have been asleep long and heard Amber lightly snoring from the other bed when I suddenly heard a... at our door. I sat up, half confused and only partially awake. Again... A bit louder this time. I looked underneath the door and saw the shadow of someone standing on the other side of our door. I whipped around and checked the clock to see it was 1am. Who would be at the door at this hour? Again, even louder this time. Who is it? I yelled out. Housekeeping, the voice behind the door said. The woman's tone was soft yet commanding. Housekeeping, I thought. At this hour? Why is the maid here? I said back, um, we don't need it right now. A couple seconds passed and I laid back down. A few moments later, I flew back up. At this point, I was irritated. I flicked on my light, looked over at Amber, who was still fast asleep somehow. I jumped out of bed and walked over to the door to tell this maid that the middle of the night wasn't an ideal time for a housekeeping visit. I unlocked the door, grabbed the knob, flung it open to find no one just an eerily quiet and empty hall. I popped my head out the door and looked down the hall both ways. Not a soul in sight. I had heard her. I had seen her feet from under the door. I was confused and shut the door, locked it, and climbed back into bed for the night, wondering what just happened. Eventually, I closed my eyes for what must have been 30 minutes, when suddenly I heard the faint, distant sound of a woman whistling. The maid was back. We'll be right back after a quick word from today's sponsors. Are you kidding me? I thought, just as I was finally falling asleep. I laid there and listened as a maid whistled. It got louder and louder, and realized she was walking back down our hallway. Every few seconds, she got closer and closer. As the whistling got louder, 
I popped up in bed again and looked at the door. I saw her shadow underneath the door, just as I did before. She walked up to the door, turned to face our room, and just stood there, again. I tensed up and my heart started to pound. The shadow was completely still, just standing there. What was she doing? After a few moments of what felt like forever, she turned back in the direction she came, and I listened as she whistled back down the hallway, eventually fading into silence. What is going on with this hotel? I thought to myself, pulling the quilt up under my chin, and thankfully, the rest of the night was quiet. Morning came, and I looked out our window to see the snow had continued all night and was still coming down. Amber's bed was empty, and I heard her in the hall giggling, back on the phone with the elusive mystery man. I hopped out of bed and turned to look out the window. Outside, it was picturesque. Snow-covered cat skillet really was beautiful, like out of a picture book I read as a kid. But that meant we weren't going to get to leave anytime soon. Amber walked back in. Look at this, I said, pointing to the window. I saw, she said. Well, let's just play it by ear. Maybe it'll let up in a little bit. I gotta say, though, I slept great. How about you? Amber said as she reached her hands above her head and stretched. Yeah, I could tell. You left me to deal with the visit from the maid at 1 a.m., I said, rolling my eyes, still half baffled about what happened the night before. What? What do you mean? I didn't hear a thing, she said, laughing. Really funny, huh? Yeah. At 1 a.m., she came and knocked on our door, and she wouldn't leave. Kept knocking. I got up to tell her we didn't need a midnight cleaning, but when I opened the door, no one was there. It was so strange. And then shortly after, she came back, whistling down the hall, stopped in front of our room again, then turned around and left. What? That sounds like you were dreaming. Were you dreaming? She asked. No, wide awake, I swear, I said back. It's kind of odd you say that, Amber said, looking at me. Why? I asked. Because when I woke up this morning, the door to the hallway was slightly ajar. I figured you had gotten up or something, she said. No. I remember closing it and locking it last night. That is so strange, I said back. We both gave each other a creeped out look. Well, we won't be here much longer, Amber said. What should we do, get coffee? I saw that restaurant opens at 8 for breakfast. We both nodded in unison. I turned around and gathered up my stuff, but strangely I couldn't find my phone anywhere. I had plugged it in the night before, right on the nightstand. Have you seen my phone? I asked Amber as I started flipping over the pillows and tossing the quilt. I just had it. We both looked around the room. Nothing. It's gone. That is so weird, I said. We'll find it. Let's get some breakfast quick and come back and look, Amber said. We grabbed our purses and headed down to the hotel restaurant for breakfast. Amber's phone buzzing a dozen times. Mystery man again. We got back to the room and looked some more, but still couldn't find my phone anywhere. Did you drop it somewhere, you think, Rach? Amber asked. Maybe. I'll go check at the front desk. Maybe Gerald found it, I said. I closed the door and made my way down the hall to the front desk. Gerald's smile on his face, waving to me as I walked up. Another snowy day, my dear. Isn't it beautiful? Gerald said, pointing out the front door to the snow-covered mountains in the distance. It is, but it looks like we'll need a late checkout. I don't think we can drive in that, I told him. Not a problem, he said. Also, I have a question. I seem to have lost my phone. Has anyone turned one in? I can't find it anywhere, I asked him. I'm sorry, my dear, I haven't, but I'll keep on the lookout, he said back. I started back for our room, reminiscing about the strange events last night. 
I made a turn to look at some of the old photographs hanging on a wall down another hallway. Beautiful gold antique frames held black and white photos from years before. Hello, a familiar voice said from behind me. I whipped around, and standing there was the maid. She looked to be in her mid-thirties, fully dressed in her uniform. Oh, hi, I said back. They really take this 1940 thing seriously. Her uniform looked to be something from another time. I hear you're snowed in here, waiting for the storm to pass, she said. Oh yeah, trying to get back to the city. That's where I live, I said to her. She nodded. Our room is really nice. Thanks so much for tidying up, I said. We'll be sure to leave you a good tip when we leave. That won't be necessary, she said, smiling. I couldn't help but say it. Also, I so appreciate the diligence, but don't feel like you need to come so late at night. I can't believe they even have you working at that hour, I said to her. She nodded again. My apologies, Rachel. Strangely, I didn't remember telling her my name. Before I could even say anything, she asked, You're here with someone, aren't you? I nodded. Oh yeah, my friend Amber. You know her well? She asked, her tone shifting from pleasant to serious. Um, well, yeah, she lives down the street from me in the city. She's a new friend, I suppose. I met her through my boyfriend. His name is Ben. We've been having some issues, but that's a whole other story. I honestly should talk to him, but I can't find my phone anywhere. I paused, suddenly realizing how personal I was getting with this person who was essentially a stranger. I'm sorry, I said laughing. That was probably way too much information. But yes, Amber and I will be heading back to the city later today, hopefully, if the weather cooperates, I said. Is she a true friend? The maid asked point blankly. I looked at her, confused for a second. Um, yeah, why? I asked. Then maybe you should use her phone to call him, she said, just looking at me. Yeah, that's a good idea, I said back. Good, she said, smiling again. I must be on my way. Oh, right. Well, thank you, and nice meeting you, I said. She turned to walk back down the hall until she was out of sight. As soon as she left, I was shocked I shared all that personal stuff with a complete stranger. But her presence was calming, almost protective in a way. I know it sounds strange, but she almost seemed like a big sister. I thought about what she said on the way back to the room. There was just something about her. I got back to find Amber in the shower. I should just call Ben from her phone. Why not? I walked over to her bedside and picked up her phone, grateful that she didn't keep a passcode. I saw there were four new messages from what I assumed to be the mystery man. B was his name in her phone. Quickly, my eyes found one of the messages. My stomach dropped as I read one of the texts from B. Are you going to tell Rachel or do I have to? I kept scrolling. I miss yous and I can't wait to see yous dusted all over the conversation. The guy's wording looked familiar, and I knew who B was. Her mystery man was Ben. My Ben. My boyfriend of a year. I felt tears pooling up in my eyes as I continued to scroll through the texts. The farther I scrolled up, the more intimate it was between the two. I realized this had been going on for a while. I exited out of the messages over to her call log. B, three-minute conversation this morning, last night, this entire weekend. It was Ben all along. Suddenly, it all clicked, and I felt like I wanted to scream and be sick all at once. I threw her phone on the bed, and I walked over to sit down when I heard the shower shut off. And out came Amber. 
How could you? I asked her point blank, holding myself back from walking over there and slapping her as she stood there in her towel. She turned bright red and froze. You've been seeing Ben. Or should I say B? I saw your phone, I said. She didn't deny it. How could she? You are an awful person, Amber. You're no friend. I suggest you pack your things and get the hell out of here. Find another ride or take the train home. I really don't care, but leave. Now. I yelled, the anger inside me boiling over. Uh, I'm so sorry, Rachel. It just happened a month or so ago. It was that night we all went out, and you went home early, and Ben and I stayed out, and enough! I yelled, cutting her off. I really didn't need to hear the dirty details. I pointed to the door. I wanted nothing to do with her ever again. As she got dressed and packed her belongings, all I could wonder was how she could do this to me. Spend the weekend with me, drive home with me. I winced as I remembered confiding in her about Ben and our issues the night before. All along, she knew. She knew why he was distant. She just let me suffer. She packed up quickly, and as she walked out the door, I slammed it in her face, never wanting to see her again. I walked back over and slept back down on the bed, rolling over into the fetal position and pulling the quilt up over me. In just a matter of minutes, everything changed. It was a heartbreak, but I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief. I knew now. I knew I was right about Ben, weeks over wondering why he was acting strange, feeling there was someone else. I was right all along. I just didn't think that someone else was the girl pretending to be my friend, sleeping in the bed next to me all weekend. I laid there for a couple more hours thinking of Ben, Amber, but mostly thinking of the maid. I wish I knew her name. What she said, how she said it, it was like she knew this. Is she a true friend? I replayed our conversation over and over in my mind. A chill ran down my spine. If I wouldn't have looked through Amber's phone, I would have never known. She wasn't a true friend, and the only reason I found that out was because of our conversation. The truth is a tricky thing. It can hurt like hell, but it also frees you. Frees you from the worry the anxiety. Time passed, and I looked outside to see the snow had stopped. Roads were looking cleared up. I gathered up my things and made one last sweep to look for my phone. Still nowhere to be found. I made my way back down to the lobby. It was around 2 p.m., and I just had a couple hours drive back. Wherever Amber went, she was long gone, as the lobby was empty, with just Gerald standing there. I walked up to him and waved again. Anything? I asked him. Yes! He said as he held up my phone excitedly. I was just about to bring it down to you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Where was it? I asked. It was the funniest thing. I was cleaning up the desk a few minutes ago and turned around and there it was, lying right here, Gerald said, pointing to his old wooden desk. Thank goodness. I wonder how it got all the way up here. That's really strange, I said. Well, not really strange for the Belladonna, dear. The place is haunted, Gerald said. Is it really? I asked. Well... I guess it probably would be with all this history. Anyways, I'm about to be on my way. It looks like the roads have cleared up and I can make it home safely, I said to him. I turned to grab my keys when Gerald said, Oh, Rachel, I'm sorry housekeeping didn't get to your room during your stay. She clocked out before you checked in last night and usually comes by in the mornings, but she called in late today because of the weather. I froze for a second, then turned around. What? I asked. I apologize that no one got to your room during your stay. Our maid called in this morning and said she wasn't going to be in work today until after the storm passes. 
It worked out as we didn't have many guests, he said. Um, I think you may be mistaken. A maid came in and cleaned our room last night and actually came and knocked on our door at 1 a.m. I spoke with her earlier this morning down that hall. His face dropped. Oh, he said. You met Ruth. Ruth? Is that her name? I asked. Is she one of the maids here? Yes, she was. Years and years ago, in the 1940s, he said blankly. I stood there staring at him, wide-eyed. Dear, she's dead. She's the Belladonna ghost, he said. We'll be right back after a quick word from today's sponsors. I stood there, shocked. A ghost? Like, a spirit? But she was standing right in front of me. I talked with her. She was pleasant. And standing right in front of me, I said back, trying to rationalize what he was telling me. I told you the Belladonna is haunted. She usually appears to those who need it. I have to ask, did she help you in some way? He asked. I looked up to him, confused of how he would even know that. Yeah, actually she did, I said back. Yeah, well, that's what Ruth does. Guests have said that about her. Story goes was that she was the oldest of five kids growing up. All girls. She was the big sister. Never had kids or married, but loved her sisters. She worked here five days a week and died in a car accident when she was only 36. From what I've heard, she gets protective with some of the female guests at the hotel. Kind of sees them as a little sister, I think, he said. Wow, I said stunned. It was all I could get out. All of a sudden, everything clicked. It was her coming to the room last night, trying to get my attention. And she got it. She heard Amber on the phone with Ben. She heard me confiding in Amber about him. She knew. And she warned me, like a big sister would. Like a true friend would. You know, she's probably the one who took your phone, Gerald said, half-smiling. I looked down at my hand and smiled too. Yeah, and I think I know why she did. Gerald looked around. I couldn't help but notice your friend left a bit ago, he asked. She isn't my friend, I said back. He slowly nodded. I thanked Gerald for his hospitality and picked up my bags and made my way back out to the car. When it came to ghosts, I always wanted to believe. I had never had any kind of encounter like that, but that visit confirmed and made me a true believer. It also changed what I thought a ghost would be like. They aren't always scary, hiding in the corner. They can also be like a guardian angel, helping us see things down here on Earth that we otherwise couldn't, guiding us. For whatever reason, Ruth protected me during my stay, like the big sister she was when she was alive, watched over me. I was scared of her when she came knocking on the door at 1 a.m., but in reality, I should have been scared of the person sleeping in the room next to me. Who knows if I would have found out about Amber and Ben if it weren't for Ruth. I'm sure they would have continued to hide it like cowards, and I would have just gone along with it, unknowingly. As I left the hotel that day, I turned and said thank you to Ruth before I pulled back onto the road. I made it back to the city later that day, and that night, I called Ben and ended it. Told him I knew everything. Truthfully, I wouldn't have ended it if not for Ruth. She opened my eyes. I found out that after we broke up, Ben and Amber did get together. For all of two weeks, before he cheated on her with someone else. Figures, doesn't it? I couldn't help but laugh when I heard that. Karma at its finest. I never saw either of them again. Good riddance. 
Over the years, I went back to stay at the Belladonna Inn a few times with the man that eventually became my husband. But I never saw Ruth during any of my visits. No 1 a.m. housekeeping visits from me this time. In a way, it didn't surprise me, as she wouldn't have needed to talk any sense into me this time. I had found someone who loved me and treasured me, a trustworthy man, a great friend. After you find that kind of love, you're almost grateful in a sense for all the heartbreaks before because they'll lead you to the right person. But mostly, I'm grateful for Ruth. Although I didn't see her when I stayed, it felt nice being at the Belladonna Inn, knowing that she was around there somewhere, probably helping another 20-something-year-old girl who needed it like I did. And out of curiosity one day, I looked it up and found that Ruth, of Hebrew origin, means friend. The Haunting of the Belladonna Inn is a story that I wrote in Avery After Dark Original, and it was inspired by my time. I lived there a couple years ago and was able to travel around upstate New York and just found it to be such a cool place. One Sunday in the fall, a group of my friends and I traveled upstate to go apple picking for the day, and it was one of the most fun days I had. And as we drove up and down the winding roads in New York, I remember thinking, this would be a great setting for a scary story. And here we are years later, and I was able to share this story with you guys. Pretty cool how life works. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I'm really hoping one day we all get to stay at a hotel with a wise spirit like Ruth to help us through some of life's issues. I know I would personally love a conversation with Ruth. I know she would set me straight. As always, make sure you are following along on TikTok, Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and everywhere else. If you want this episode ad-free, join the Avery After Dark Patreon. Give this podcast a good rating and a good review if you're enjoying it, and share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you all, and I'll see you next episode. Bye, guys.